So this is only slightly dead inside, a podcast putting the fun in functional depression. I am Nika. And I'm Julianne. What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to talk a little bit about what it is specifically like for us to be people with depression. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like the whole topic of the podcast or something. Wow. Um, such nutshell. Such. I'm trying. I'm getting really a lot better at trying to distill this concept into an elevator pitch. Yeah, it's important. Also, because when you're making a new podcast, you often have character limits on the things you um, submit to yep. upload, and it's really helpful. Well, as um, my one of my favorite English teachers in eighth grade used to say, use less words. And as one of my favorite uh, theater teachers in college used to say, structure frees creativity. I fully believe that. I do too. Lack of structure is very scary for me. No, I need structure. <laughs> like really badly. Right? That actually is a great transition to a question that I would like us to talk about. Okay. How do your inner issues manifest themselves on the outside in ways that sometimes would make people think that it's about something else in invisible ways in invisible ways or in ways that are interpreted as something else yeah from like for example i am chronically late and i always have been and it's true you guys i know it's, it's very true it's completely true this is a thing that i've been working on my whole life i got detention for it in school oh i got trouble God. for it in college i got in trouble for it at work and at multiple jobs people it is 100 percent the worst thing about me as a professional and often one of the worst things about me as a friend like people will tell me an earlier time to be someplace so that i get there on time which i now appreciate and totally respect here's the thing most people think it's because i'm rude or lazy or a variety of other things sometimes that may be the case. More often than not, it is complete anxiety over leaving my house. When I was a kid, it's because I didn't want to go to school. I'm an adult. It's because there's something I'm worried about at work. When I'm meeting friends, I might be worried about some issue or not. When I'm trying to come here to record the podcast, I'm like, why are we even doing this podcast? I hate everything. Why does anybody want to listen to what I have to say? Those kinds of battles happen full on in my head every single day before I leave my apartment. And sometimes it just takes more effort to break through it than others. I am a chronically early person. I've walked around every block in New York City, having been almost embarrassingly early to so many things. My anxiety around time manifests itself in not wanting to be the thing anyone is going to worry about. I just want it to seem like I have enough of my shit together that you know I will happy to be here, easy to work with kind of person. But my parents are also habitually early people to the point that like my mother will be sitting in the car and call me and be like, I oops, I am 45 minutes early to this thing. Talk to me. That is like one of my worst nightmares. The idea of being so early to something that I have to figure out what to do with myself is often really disconcerting to me. Interesting. And I have been, I have been early. It has happened and I have been on time. I actually have gotten better at it in the last several years, but it is all relative. It makes me nervous to be early. It doesn't make me nervous to be early, but that's also like a theater person thing. But I'm also a theater person who also was supposed to be on time for her calls and generally was not. Yeah, that's and, like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's one of my major things. Everybody says that the easiest thing that you can be is on time, to which I say, fuck off. <laughs> 
It is not so easy for some of us. Well, the reason I've gotten better at it is because I now give myself almost an extra 45 minutes in the morning just to get out of my brain. I like get out of my brain because it's like getting out of your bed, but harder. Right. And the other thing is if I'm late, I now have something else to focus on that isn't whatever other thing I was anxious about. Now I'm focused completely on getting there on time and it's very one track mind and it is super fucked up because it's replacing one anxiety with another. But that is how my brain works. But here we are. And here we are. My issue that manifests itself is about my bad memory and sort of the shame around that bad memory, which has turned me into a super shy person. Um, I am afraid to introduce myself to people because I'm afraid I've met them before and I won't remember. It will be really hard for me to remember names because basically it's like my limbic system is so out of sorts when I am in a social situation that I get into super protective mode and my entire brain is white noise. So you introduce yourself to me and I hear it and I do all the tricks and I look you in the eye and I say your name back to you and I try to think of and I try to like see something about you that will trigger a memory of your name and all of that goes flying out the fucking window because for some reason my body interprets social situations as a threat and so goes into this fight flight freeze thing and for me I usually neither fight nor flee I just freeze so I am loath to introduce myself to people because I'm so terrified that I've met them before and I won't remember meeting them and they will be mad at me for that and they'll think it has something to do with like me being a horrible bitch when really I just um, I live in a space that exists mostly in white noise and me trying to scream through the white noise that like I'm trying to convince my body that it is okay to be in the space that it's in and that is really really hard sure you're giving yourself so much extra work you're making more white noise which is just a total like chicken egg situation because Mm -hmm. obviously those are coping strategies to try to help you and and like giving yourself so much more to do I know and so in fact I don't do the thing that I was there to do in the first place Plus, I'm a little bit on the severe looking side. And if my thinking face can often look like I am mad at you. So I feel that. I mean, that is a thing that that Nika and I have in common. If you ever meet us in person, we both have sort of an aloof kind of resting face. And I've had the same problem where I used I used to be a lot shyer than I am now. I'm much better at being like, I'm so sorry if I met you before. But I also feel like the stakes are lower for me more of the time because you are in an industry that is so based on relationships where there are a lot of very sensitive personalities and somebody may actually interpret that in a way that could somehow hurt your career in some way, small or big, which is super fucked up, but that's the way it works. But here we are. And here we are. I I joke sometimes that I just want to make a t-shirt that says like, I'm not a bitch, I'm just shy. I think that's a great shirt and you should make it and I will buy it. And I know several people who will buy it and we can sell it on our website. I was just going to say, perhaps that can be our first foray into merch. It's a t-shirt that says, I'm not a bitch. I'm just shy. I love that so much. I I can't believe we haven't thought of that before. Well, that's what making new stuff is about, is is allowing that to um, roll into other new stuff. See, here's the thing that's so crazy, because even this morning I was like, what are we doing with this podcast? We've been working on this legitimately for over a year, because weirdly enough, it takes a long time and a lot of work. And um, if you have like a job during the week and stuff, it's not as easy to put things together. And also when the two people working on it have like anxiety and depression, that's also in a whole layer of things to work through. It's a bit of a, of a 
roadblock. It is, but we have dragged ourselves because we both really believe in this podcast. But again, <laughs> Nika's trying not to die laughing right now. You have to learn to compartmentalize things in order to get out of your own way. And that just depending on what's happening can be so difficult. The thing that I try to remember is ultimately people have the information that you give them about you. Nobody knows what is in my brain. Nobody knows all of the shit that's happening in my personal life. I don't know what's happening in everybody else's life. My next sort of get to know us question. Sure. What is it? Lay um, it on me. <laughs> what is a thing for you that seems difficult to explain to people about having depression, but seems like very important to making them understand? Being happy and having depression can walk side by side. Sure. But like you can be happy about xyz things that are happening or grateful for xyz things that are happening and also be sort of fun to be around or easy to hang out with and that none of that is mutually exclusive from the fact that you have depression and i think that people who don't know what that feels like think that having depression means that you are in a depressive episode at all times and that's not at all what it is. Definitely not. Definitely not. People do go through phases. I've gone through phases where I have barely gotten out of bed and the idea of even feeding myself seems a little difficult. And I feel grateful for living in a city where I can make food come to my door. But that's not really necessarily what depression looks like. Wasn't what it looked like when I was at my absolute worst, when I was like in the most potentially unsafe place for myself i was doing really well in high school and do, getting doing all the things i was supposed to do um or same i kind of hit that point again briefly after college and same thing i was doing all of the things that you would expect a reasonable intelligent person to be doing and i looked fine yeah did you watch you're the worst no it's just brilliant in so many ways uh it also for a brief period of time had one of the most accurate representations of a depressive episode that i've ever seen on television i think bojack does a, also does a really great job yep but you have a little bit more leeway with a cartoon Absolutely. than you do with uh human actors yeah you know who i thought did an amazing job um neil brennan's special three mics yes because i've kind made of so many people watch that it's so good and part of i think how we accomplish this is sort of similar having a cartoon being a way to expand out of how to explain things having the sort of three distinct mics made it kind of more freeing structure structure frees creativity yes but yeah, those are, if you are curious and looking for things to kind of be like, yes, that is what I feel. Try some of these. They're amazing. They really are. I read a tweet thread the other day that was about the the creator tweet thread that was like, you put your entire heart into something and you just sort of put it out there in the world. And for some people, they will not understand your heart. And some people, it will uh, magnify the voice that has been in the back of their heads the whole time. And like you get to be the person that found words for it, which like, is such an amazing thing. But if you are not in a space where you feel like the thing you're saying is valid, like what a huge thing to try to convince yourself of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had some ideas for stuff in the back of my head for a really long time. I can sort of look at dates that I created things to see when it was I started thinking about doing something and like, have I moved forward with those things? 
No. And some of it is also wanting to be appropriately consumable, which is a terrible thing to say out loud, but is not untrue. The thing for me that's sort of always been the hardest to explain and the most important or one of the most important is just the um, the idea that I was supposed to understand what happy was Mm. or the idea that being alive should be enough and that there's joy to find everywhere all those kinds of things which I fully believe those things are true at this point in time and I wanted so desperately to believe that they were true when I was younger and when I was first dealing with this and before I was on medication but I couldn't understand fully I just I felt very much like I was pretending and there were certain things that would make me happy in a particular moment things that I actually did enjoy doing there was no link between those things and then like the future of life it was just in that moment I'm fine and 10 minutes later I'm not fine anymore I really didn't start understanding what enjoying life was until I was on meds and I had had some practice at letting myself appreciate the things that I was enjoying that part of it sounds a little new agey I cannot emphasize enough that I was not capable of doing that work until I had medication that helped me Mm. so much of my stuff manifests itself in really severe social anxiety and you know it's like I've done all the work to be like here's why like I know all of the here is why I am only now at the point where the thing I can begin to ask myself is am I really that bad Like, am I really that bad? I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's the thing is it's all relative. Do you think you're that bad? And what does that bad mean? And what does that bad mean? And what what does that bad look like? And what is the context of what that bad is? And like, is any of that true? Is any of that true? Super (sighs) unclear. If you step back from things and you break them down and you make those weird kind of new agey lists, you're like, maybe I'm not as bad as... I tell myself I am and then what do I do with that information yep because you're breaking down the thing that your brain formed around as the truth about yourself yep which is like excavating an entire house from the foundation right which feels very scary and unstable and like it will all fall down right Exactly. And then you will have no house at all. So like, is it better to live in a house that's not up to code or is it better to rebuild? (laughs) That's perfect. I love that analogy so much. That's exactly it. That is really exactly it. Because you know, I don't know if this is true where you live, but in New York City, the second you open a wall, you have to bring what's in there up to code. Yeah, that's true. And that really is... It's and I not, feel like that's an apt metaphor. <laughs> it's a perfect metaphor for therapy because it's the reason why therapy doesn't work for some people. Because if you don't believe there's anything lo- worth looking at behind the walls and you refuse to open the walls, then you won't see or be able to fix any of the problem. Sometimes you will open a wall and be like, what is that? Why is that there? That, right. that, into- like, and sometimes you open your wall and you're like, yep, yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes that's a good thing because right. like the thing you thought was going to happen is there and you're like, cool, now I now like the idea I had in my head can move on without uh, without too many roadblocks. And sometimes you will open a wall thinking you're going to move it back and they will be like, why isn't there an electrical box from the 40s stuck in this bathroom wall? <laughs> um, I have pictures. 
Maybe I'll put them in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) I really am in love with this metaphor, though. I am, too. I really think it's great. Because the other thing is you can sort of start to do this work, but if you don't have help, it can get really overwhelming and unproductive really fast. Yeah. So that is why we both love therapy. Yeah. The other thing. Wait, I thought of something else. So another one of my like weird ways that things manifest is that I am endlessly curious about other people. And all I ever want to do is be like, tell me everything about you. But I get really nervous. And so I sort of don't. And then I feel like I'm a weird person who is staring or like not asking the right questions. Because but in like, your brain, you're asking a lot of questions and thinking of a backstory. Right. And yeah. I, and, and wanting to know I just like endlessly want to know what, where other people come from and how they ended up where they were. And I don't know. It's like, what is the thing that made you who you are? And sometimes instead of asking those questions, I just white noise and run away. Mm -hmm. No, sometimes instead of asking those questions, I stare awkwardly and then realize I'm staring awkwardly and it is just not good. It's just awkward. And I'm awkward to begin with. And like I said, I have a little bit of a like aloof, look if I'm not fully engaged in something and if you don't know me yeah yeah doesn't look good I was um this is an actual conversation that had I was sitting in a meeting the other day and trying really hard to listen attentively without showing too much of what I thought of what was happening on my face I was trying to do a little fix your face and um I guess the face that came out instead was a confused face because somebody kept leaning over to me and be like do you understand what's happening and I was like I do. That's just my opinion. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Another thing to explain, not quite as important, but along the same lines as what you were saying, is the idea that I can be both an extremely opinionated and forceful kind of person and crumbling completely on the inside. Mm -hmm. I'm the opposite. I mean, I crumble on the inside, um, but I have an aversion to being forceful because I'm worried that people won't like me. That's and fair. then I will really be that bad. And I so desperately, I had a 50-50 shot on both sides of my family. Both my father and one of my uncles give absolutely zero fucks what anybody thinks of them. And it's like the most inspiring thing. So I truly had a 50-50 shot of getting that gene. And instead, they canceled each other out. And I mm. became this like mess of a human that just wants people to like her while also wanting to do difficult things that not everyone will like. How do we end? Okay. So segue. If you are listening to us and you don't know us, how did you find us? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I actually, I would really like to know is what is your answer to this question? Yeah. What is a thing that, that is a, an internal thing for you that manifests itself in an external way that is probably misinterpreted by everyone around you? I would like to maybe read some of those things out loud. I would love Perhaps to do that. in an Insta story highlight yeah. or something. Anonymous or not, doesn't, you know, whatever. Slightlydeadpod at gmail.com. Yes. Or perhaps slide into the DMs, but not in that way. Yeah. No. Don't be gross. We'll block you. Is that going to be our uh, version of Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered? <laughs> don't be gross. We'll block you. <laughs> it's like brush your teeth. Yeah. If all else fails, brush, brush your, your teeth. teeth. Only Slightly Dead Inside is Julianne Bilker and Nika Lanzaroni. Our theme song, Motown Mo Problems, was composed by Joel B. New, and Robbie Roselle designed our logo. Find and follow us on all the social medias by searching Slightly Dead Pod. We'll be there.
If you are in crisis or feel like you might be a danger to yourself or someone else, turn this off and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text the crisis text line at 741-741. Someone is always there to hear you and you are worth hearing.